podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 172 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also, Fanatics, just me and Peter take you through the next 45 minutes or so today as we we look back at the, the 0-0 draw at Crystal Palace yesterday uh, and also ahead to, to Thursday, Goodison Park, massive game, of course, Newcastle in town, Anthony Gordon in town. Uh, so a lot to, lot to discuss but the best place or the only place really to start um, is what happened on Friday. Give it, you know, bear in mind Everton gearing up for the for the game against Palace yesterday, and, and about half past five on Friday night, a certain chairman decides to issue an open letter on the Everton website in response to the latest altogether now statement or letter, uh, which referenced his, his health and you know saying we've got a short window to try and to try and make these these changes. Um, and I discussed it on Friday on Radio Merseyside on the on the weekend preview in in quite a bit of detail. Obviously, very very uh, quick reaction to things as as that was recorded pretty soon after that letter came out. But I think it's good that me and Pete have a, a little bit of a chat about it, seeing as it preceded the the events on Saturday against Crystal Palace. And Pete, what what are you taking from that? Because you know very much. It was it was baffling in in my opinion, you know, for, for the chairman of the football club to to issue what came across as a bit of a rant, really, um, on the eve of what what was a massive game, really important, obviously, and and we know that the, all the focus should be on what we're doing on the pitch, given where we are in the Premier League table. What was your take? What what when when you when you saw that notification flash up and you and you read letter for the first time, what was the first thing that sprung to your mind? Well, I think back is the right word, Mike. I think initially when it came out, my first reaction was, what on earth is this? Uh, and the second was the timing of it. You know, they've made this mistake before. You know, why release something like that the, the day before a, a vital game? It, it just, it rattles, it'll rattle the team. It'll rattle the fan base. <laughs> Rattles the fans' relationship with the club, winds everybody up. If we don't get the result everyone's hoping for, it'll just inflame, you know, the whole situation. I, I really didn't understand it. I, I really didn't understand it. You know, I think lots of different things about it, really. I mean, first and foremost, you know, certainly none of us wish Bill Kenwright ill. Um, you know, not nor anyone else that you know, is employed by the football club or, or, you know, works on the board. I don't think anybody personally wants to, you know, to, to target people or wishes anyone ill will. I think people are angry that basic stupid decisions have been made. The club hasn't learned lessons and the, the communication with fans has been extremely poor. And they, they just show time and time again, they're not learning the lesson. I mean, it, it's it's terrible communication. I, I mean, the, and the purpose of, of the letter as well is also lost on me. It, it, it feels like 
you know, something's really got under his skin and he's, you know, made a poor decision to put something down and, and get it released. But you, you think, you know, surely there must be more safeguards as a football club when, you know, Bill, Bill Ken might want to write something like this. You know, sh- surely the, there must have been some kind of discussion about, well, you know, what do you think about the content of this letter before before it goes out? And also, what do you think of the timing of it? Like, that, for me, is the more baffling thing, that nobody else, presumably, associated with the club, has thought to ask those questions, you know, always thought to, to kind of safeguard in that way. You know, you're not telling me that Bill Ken might have been able to write this and, and you know, get, get it out by Everton without anybody else knowing or having a sniff of it. So there's just so many things about it that are bad. Um, and, and do you know what, Mike? I'm, I'm sick of talking about it. So sick of talking about Bill Kenwright, Farad Mashiri and the Everton board. I just want to talk about football. But they make it so difficult by, you know, by doing things that you, you can't not acknowledge. So I, I, I don't know when they're going to learn this lesson, but they, you know, they need to learn it soon because I don't know what, he was, what kind of response he was hoping for. But it's my bet that he hasn't got it. Well, he definitely hasn't got it, unless unless his his aim was to to to, to throw more fuel on the fire and rile up the fan base further, because that that was all reading reading through that that letter and whoever signed off on it, by the way, because it won't, as you say, there's got to be a procedure in place, a safeguarding procedure in place to make sure that what gets issued out is is not only you know correct in terms of timing, but like you say, the time is horrendous. But also correct in terms of the language used, and I said the same on Friday. You know, the there's a time and a place for communication. There's a time and a place to to respond to a letter that came out days earlier. But there's also the correct language to use as well when responding. And everyone's got a got a right to a reply, by the way. And, and I am not sitting here saying that what's come out in recent months and the, the protests that have been aimed towards not only Bill Kenlight, Farhad Mashiri, Graeme Shah, Grant Singles, Denise Barrett-Baxendale, all of these people, I'm not saying that it, it won't upset them. I'm not saying as humans that they will not feel it um, and it will not rile them and, and, and get to them. But when you're in that position, you have to understand how to respond, when to respond and the correct manner to respond and, and not only you know is it wrong in terms of what he said, it's wrong of the club to say, you know what, Bill, great idea that we get that out on a Friday night before uh, a crucial game at Crystal Palace, you know, and and that's that's the puzzling thing, you know, the language that's being used. I, I felt that it was you know he's deflecting blame, saying the chairman is not responsible for the day to day running of the club. We all know the involvement Bill Kenlight has, of course. Um, the fact that he, he's not happy that both Grant Singles and Graham Sharp are being given stick. Again, I repeat what I said on Friday. When you are part of a, of a board, you've got a collective responsibility and therefore you have to take a collective responsibility. However, certain members of the board and people within the, the hierarchy of the club are more to blame than others. Of course they are. That, that's, that's common sense. But I just think, you know, as I say, the language that's being used, the fact that he's been, he, he deflected away any blame from him, the fact that he mentioned that he brought in, obviously, a billionaire in Farhad Bashiri, you know, when people were saying he wasn't even looking. And as, again, 
how well has that gone since Farhad Mashiri's come in? It, it's, it's hardly a, a defence to hide behind. But also, like you mentioned, Pete, you know, we, we've talked about lack of communication for a long, long time as a fan base. And what, what they will hide behind here is, well, you want a communication, easy communication. But look, look how poor it was and look how appalling the timing was as well. And there were so many things wrong with it. And like you say, I'm sick and tired of talking about, about the board. I'm sick and tired of most weeks coming on our show and having to, to bring up the off-the-field issues. They are very real. We, we backed the All Together Now campaign. But as, as fans and, you know, as people who, you know, should be just supporting our team on the pitch, this is a massive distraction. That's said as a massive distraction. And I think people need to ask serious questions of themselves in, the, in terms of the club hierarchy as to why this has gone out, who sanctioned it, and basically what purpose was it meant to serve? Because, it, as I say, it, it was a huge distraction in the build-up for a, a massively important game for the football club. And all the people were talking about in the build-up to the game was that I'm not concentrating on what was going to be happening at three o'clock at Sellers Park. And it absolutely, it's proven, it's proven many, many people right, hasn't it? You know, it, all it serves to do is prove many people right in terms of how else it's touched the board appear to be, how narcissistic maybe some people appear to be, and how very, very wrong the board appear to get things on a regular basis. And this is just something more to, to add to that particular list. And, you know, the day will come, as Bill Kenlight says, where he's not at the club. Um, you know, the, for me, the day in which the board, the owner, all accept responsibility for their shortcomings and their shortfalls in recent years, it can't come soon enough because we want to get back to the football pitch. What's happening on the Saturday at three o'clock? What are our team doing? Let's support them. And of course... We are. We're doing as best we can as, as fans of the football club. But this, this is just, well, that on Friday was just an absolute disgrace. Disgrace. And, you know, um, it's, a, it's a shame we've got to spend time, yet, yet again, like you say, discussing it. Definitely. Like, like I said a moment ago, they, they don't do themselves any favours. I mean, we, we can't not discuss it. Well, we can't. Well, you know, we, we were doing a disservice to people who obviously listen to this show. Um, people who, who obviously have read it like we've read it um, and I'm, they may want, want, want our take on things in a little bit more detail um, but I hope that's the last we hear from them between now and the end of May because my focus is on the lads on the pitch and that goes again on Thursday you know we're going to discuss obviously the Newcastle game in more detail shortly but that's my focus I don't want any more distractions you better off just staying quiet than putting that out. It's it's that easy, really. Unless you want to come out and say, hold our hands up, we've got a lot wrong here. And I feel it's time for, for us to, to step away. We know the investments, we keep on hearing it's imminent, it's coming in. Hopefully that brings around changes at boardroom level. Um, but I just want to support my team for these for these next six games. And and that yet again is just it, it's a rile people up further. It annoyed the life out of me. Um but listen. It's just it's all about Everton on the pitch now. It's just it's just gotta be. It, it's it's serious. We know where we are, we know what, what we've got to do. Um and let's let's sign folks on that if if, if we can. 
Uh, but on to yesterday, Pete, obviously, uh, like you said, obviously every game's an important game now. And, and we travelled to a research in Crystal Palace who turned a massive corner since Roy Hodgson's come in. Obviously, he had a, a relationship and with, with a lot of the players from his time there previously. He's come in, he's got them playing some lovely football. Prior to, to the game yesterday, three games, three wins, was it nine goals? Like nearly 50 shots on goal in those in, in those games. The most of them were against Leicester in the first game, to be honest. But it's got them believing and playing football how they, they used to play, even under Vieira early on, you know, with the likes of Elise and Eze. Obviously, you know, Zaha was injured, but quick young players who, who were, you know, can, can turn on the sixpence, cause problems with the set piece delivery. They can go past the man, no problem. I mean, Mason Holgate's made uh, Andre Ayew look like Lionel Messi for the, for the majority of the game. But they've got these kind of players you can cause you can cause problems. And we we rocked up obviously at the time Leicester were playing Wolves, um, so we wouldn't have been aware of the situation as as a as players. Uh, we obviously we were we were as fans, but we came away with a, with a nil nil draw. And overall, I mean, it, it wasn't a fantastic game of football to watch on both. Both sides, by the way, Everton weren't, weren't great. It wasn't a fantastic performance. Started slow again, it's got to be said. The first 20, 25 minutes, we, we were slow. Um, but, I mean, jumping to, to, to the end, really, were you happy with the point, Pete? Well, I think first and foremost, the, the game was must not lose. And I think in the position we're in, you, you've always got to be picking up points from every game. And I think on balance, like you said, when you look at the form Palace have been in, you know, and yes, we had Calvert Lewin back, but it's you know, it's his, his first his first game back. He's, no, he's nowhere near um, sharp. Although you know, the, the the difference he made to us was abundantly noticeable. But I, I think you have to be satisfied with the point when you look at the team that we we started with. You know, particularly that midfield two of of James Garner and Garner Gay, who. You know, you, you feel for them slightly because they, they've kind of been thrown in together by by circumstance. But you know, we're we're nowhere near um, kind of at the races because we're you know we're so fragmented, aren't we? And that the loss of Anana and Decore to that midfield. I know we spoke about it a lot last week. Is is huge. The loss of, of, of Coleman. I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Holgate a little bit more in a moment. Um, is huge, and I, th- I think Dyche doesn't seem to to know what to do about the the right back situation. As Seamus Coleman isn't in the team, um, so I think you have to be satisfied with the point from from that perspective, and hopefully it's it's a point that we can build on. Well, when we saw the start eleven, obviously the, the the surprise was Mason Holgate at right back. Obviously, we we already knew Seamus Coleman wasn't going to make the game. Uh, we hoped. Amadou Onana, who did return to saying, I think, on Thursday, would have made it the squad in some capacity he didn't. Um, so that was always a big, a big loss. Abdullah Decore saving the final match of his of his three-match suspension. But then obviously Dominic Calvert Lewin, all signs were positive after getting 70 minutes against Chester on Tuesday, wasn't it? A Finch farm. So great to see him get the nods to start. And it was, you know, that gives you that little bit of that little bit of hope. But obviously, we, we can't expect too much too soon, given how long he's he's had out. Um, but the, the the Holgate situation was it was a, a strange one from the off. You know, a penny for for Nathan Patterson to start sitting on the on the bench uh, because I'm sure that 
that he would have fancied filling Seamus Coleman's boots um, with obviously Ben Godfrey hasn't been great. Um, it's got to be said, and I know obviously he he, he bounces around from left back to right back to centre half. Um, so not surprising to see a change made in terms of our, our full back. So Michalenko obviously left back and Holgate right back. But I think Nathan Patterson surely, you know, he's got he's got the pace um, to to match the likes of Ayew, for example. Uh, maybe slightly short on sharpness, but he has been fit for a number of weeks and, and he got a little bit of time against Fulham against Fulham the, the previous weekend. Um, but it, it was it was obvious early on for me that Holgate was was struggling with against Ayew. And, and now I know Palace fans have been have been nearly impressed since Zaha's injury and Ayew's got the nod on the left hand side. A lot of lot of talk has been that even if Zaha was fit, he wouldn't he wouldn't get in the side ahead of Ayew. That's how good he's been in recent weeks. So it wasn't just us that he's he's played well against, but we know what Holgate's like. And when he picks up an early booking like he did, everyone said exactly the same thing. I texted you and Lee and said, take him off at our time because he'll do it again. He will get booked again. He will go down to 10 men. Just take him off. So that didn't happen. And then we saw we saw what 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 resulted in the in the in the second half with about sort of 12 minutes or so to go. So it's little things like that where you can go from. I was thinking to myself, don't concern yourself with Leicester. It's nil-nil with 12 minutes to go, we had 13 minutes to go. Let's go and win the game. Everyone were in the game. You know, I thought first half, I thought we had some, you know, some little chances. I mean, great attempt from Alex Obi on the volley. Um, decent save from Sam Johnston. Dominic Calvert Lewin thought looked fairly, fairly bright. Great to see him back, I've got to be honest. Having a centre forward, he was a centre forward with Pace, power, he's physical, he's good in the air. Lovely to see. Um, you know, I had, had a little little chance with it with a flick header off his off his back, really. Right to the keeper. Had another shot, a little bit of a link up play on the left hand side. Uh, I think it was with a Wobi. He headed it inside, giving him back, got a shot away. Again, pretty simple for the keeper, but he was he was there. He was creating things. And you know, we were we were the ones I thought who created the better chances. I thought we kept we kept Palace pr- pretty quiet in terms of chances created. I think the concern came when we were giving away quite a few free kicks and set pieces early on. Just silly silly little fouls, you know, 35, 40 yards from goal. That was allowing Elise to to whip the ball in and, and you know create a little bit of panic at times um and with our with our defending. But I thought on the whole, I thought we were very much in, in the game and, and I know people We'll say, you know what, it was a boring game. Everton were terrible. We were playing against the side, by the way. Like I said, you were in a good run of form. You've got players you can hurt, yeah? Players we'd love in our side, by the way. You, you can you can definitely create goals and definitely score goals themselves. And I just thought, okay, I said this last week. We've got to become that side who becomes hard to beat once again. We've seen it under Sean Dice already. We've done it against better sides than Palace, Arsenal. Brentford, especially sides who who you know can punish anybody, so we had to get back to becoming a side who was difficult to beat. And if if we're being positive, that's what it took from yesterday. You know, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. We didn't create a great deal, which is a concern, which we'll discuss in a minute. But I just thought that from a discipline perspective, outside of Mason Holgate, defensively, 
we did all right. Well, Palace have got 10 points from the last 12. And like, like you say, you've got to have respect for that. They're on the up, they're on the bounce. Even without Zaha, the, you know, the, the winning games. Selhurst Park's a, it's a horrible place to go at the best of times. Um, I, I like Selhurst Park, proper football pitch, you know, proper football fans. It's, it's a difficult place to go and, uh, and, and get points at the best of times. So you have to look at it on balance. And, you know, like I, I said before, when you look at the team that we, we started with, we're nowhere near ourselves. So I, I think actually to get anything from the game, it, it is a massive positive. And I, I completely agree with you in the position we're in. You, you need a foundation in order to get something from games. And, and sadly, that foundation has to be, you have to become horrible to play against. You have to be tough to beat. Be, because if you're not, well, we've, we've seen that already under Frank Lampard, who... We all really liked. He tried to get us playing the right kind of football. But we were far too open and we were just getting destroyed by teams. The moment that we conceded, that that was it. And now we've got a little bit of spine, a little bit of backbone again. No, it's not pretty. You know, yet Dyche is, is still finding his way. And also, you'd say he's only had probably a, a fully fit squad to pick from in one game. I think everybody forgets that. You know, the, the Arsenal game... You know, I'm not saying that we need to expect that every single week because you know there, there are lots of factors at play, there's lots of moving parts to it. But that that hopefully is the blueprint for whatever whatever it can be when we've got our players available. And he's not had that since. Well, I think I think obviously it's a real valid point. So, you know, that first game, um, I got some for Sean Dice with Dom on the pitch for 60 minutes. As as full as, as as full of side really as you could pick from in terms of full strength, and and since then we we've had players in and out the side, players picking up injuries, players picking up suspensions, and you know we've discussed the last couple of games the the loss of the core has been huge. Again, yesterday it would have been great to have him on the pitch, busy, energetic, putting the the the, the press on. You know him him alongside Dom. Is such a different prospect to even him alongside a Damari Gray or a Neil Mopey um, or Gray and Mopey as, as we've seen. And you know, that's a totally different prospect for a back four to deal with. Is is those two, you know, you've got a, a big strong centre forward who's, who's great in the air, who's physical in, in Calvert Loon, and you've got a, a an attacking midfielder who doesn't give you a minute. So if you want to play out from the back, he'll be on you. Um, and that's the thing, obviously, we saw yesterday. Garner and Garner in the middle. Iwobi was more central, which I thought was better. I thought Iwobi at times um, making things, trying to make things happen, linking up with Dominic Calvert-Lewin quite nicely. Obviously, decent, decent attempt he, he made for himself in the first half, as we said, was, was saved by the keeper. Um, and Demai Gray playing, playing out on the uh, in a wide position. And, you know, flatter to deceive, I'd say again, Gray, you know, we just, we're not probably seeing enough from from our attacking players, him, Dwight McNeil wasn't really in it. Yeah, I think he had that one shot. Uh, and then we had one early on, which tickled to the goalkeeper, and then he had one in the, in the first half. bit more power, but an easy height for, for Sam Johnson as well. So we certainly need to, to, to do more as an, as an attacking force. But it's a base, as you say, to build from, to be difficult to beat. But I'm hoping, you know, and it, it is a hope. You know, you mentioned the Arsenal game there. As we get players back in, you know, we, we we look ahead to Thursday. We will do shortly in more detail. You could have Seamus Coleman, Amadou Onana, 
and uh, Adelaide Corey back, which would be massive. You know, to get those three players back in, they make a huge difference to that side from a leadership perspective, from a physicality perspective, from an energy perspective. They make us a better side. And when when we haven't got those levels of player starting, we take a massive hit, and and we struggle. You know, two goalkeepers on the bench again yesterday. Uh, how often did, did we see that over the the course of, of recent recent times? And it shows you how how sure we are. So getting these these three lads back in would be would be a real a real bonus for us. But you know, touching on on, on Dom in, in a little bit more detail, he, he played ninety before being taken off off uh, for for stoppage time. And you know what 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 do we make of, of his performance? We mentioned a couple of chances he, he had in the first half. Lovely little turn second half, wasn't it? Edge of the box, left foot, little swivel, and shot just wide of the post, you know, maybe a sharper Dominic Calvert-Lewin puts that in the back of the net, but that that's what he offers. It's so much, so much better than, you know, your Neil Mope playing up top, you know, Damari Gray. You haven't got that same physicality to be able to hold the centre-half off. And by the way, I thought he did particularly well against uh, Gay, who was he was pulling onto Calvert-Lewin. I thought Dom was, was sure changed from the referee at times in terms of he, he was, he was, um, Certainly being being pulled and pushed all over the place and was getting very, very little from the from the officials. But I thought to come in against someone as physical as gay like that, um, I thought he did particularly well. But how, how happy was he to see him back on the on the pitch, Pete? I was happy to see him leave the pitch not injured. <laughs> but I like you say, surprising that he got the 90. And I think in Dice's comments, he said that you know, they took a little bit of a calculated risk on that one, hoping that something might drop for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, hope, hopefully it's it's more minutes in the legs and building more sharpness. And yeah, the, the, the turn he mentioned, beautiful turn. And hope and, and that that's a sign of a sharp player, isn't it? And it's a, it's, a, it's a footballing cliche when it comes to strikers. But if you're in the right position, if you're making those chances, the, the goals will follow. The goals aren't the problem. Uh, you, you've got to be there to miss them and all that. So... He does give us a completely another different dimension, doesn't he? You know, we've got the ability to get up the pitch quickly. He, he gives centre halves a nightmare. It takes the pressure off. You know, the likes of Damari Gray, Dwight McNeil. You throw um, Decore in there as well, and you know that's that's an it's an it's an attack, isn't it? Which we've just not had since the Arsenal game. Um, I thought Tarkovsky's comments were interesting after the game. Um, I, I, I guess the hope is that they have the, the right kind of effect within the dressing room. So it's, there's always a bit of a, a danger, isn't there? You never, you never know how something like that's going to go down. It's it was, it was definitely a comment from a leader, but I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, the, the comments of those people, people I haven't seen, I'm sure you have. It came out, actually, it was, uh, it was Paul Brown who put it out there. And it said that we're in a real battle and we need more. To grind out with 10 men is nice, but we expect more from our forward players. We have some really talented boys, but we need more from them. Maybe we are losing that confidence. Um, so quite quite telling, really, and, and fairly inflammatory, if you'd like. If, if you're a forward player at Everton reading that, you, you might think, what 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 right has he got to, to, to give us to give us stick? But I understand what he's saying. Um in terms of, you know, we, we've, we've got a clean sheath, but we need to look to try and do more 
at the top end of the pitch. But I think everyone's got to take responsibility for that. You know, we're, we're a side who, in terms of set pieces, you know, we, we've we've been a threat from under Sean Dyke. So as defenders, as 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 midfielders, and as as attackers, you've all got a role within those set pieces as well, and you got you got to look to get into those positions and cause a problem. So it starts from the back to the front. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was strange to to read that. I think you, you always you always find James Tarkovsky quite a level headed fella, someone who's who's not very controversial. Maybe, maybe things are getting to the players, you know, maybe they are feeling the pressure, um, you know, and, and that's that's no good really for us to, to have players feeling feeling pressure. But that's a, the position that we find ourselves in because of where we are in the table. So, you know, in either, it serves, it serves as a kick of the backside for, for everybody or it, it riles people behind the scenes. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they say worse things to each other. In the in the dressing rooms at a Finch Farm, if things aren't going right, and you know the standards that everybody expects, but you know the, it'll tell on Thursday, won't it? It'll tell you know, how we how we set up, how we how we start the game, especially because the, the last two games we started very poorly against Fulham and Palace, um, and our last home game against Fulham, was, we said it last week, was probably the worst we played under under Sean Dice. So that was why. Maybe I've I've got a bit more of a positive head on on uh, on looking back at this game was because we were so poor against Fulham. It was nice to see us be difficult to beat. Restrict Palace to they had twelve shots, two on target, which is nothing for, for a side with their their attacking talent. Um, so it was nice. It was nice to to see us be a little bit more disciplined in that sense and and not allow a side to to get away. Too many attempts and attempts that that cause our goalkeeper problems. So, um, yeah, it's it. Let, let's see, let's see if that does have any kind of impact. But you know, our senior players are the ones who've got to be leading from the front and lead by example, and, and he's one of them. Um, so hopefully, you know, it, it does serve as, as a kick up the backside for everybody. But there's got to be a collective responsibility for, from all our players to, to look to sign to sign win games, create chances, cause problems from set pieces. Cause problems in, in open play, um, but as I say, I thought to, to come away and, and not concede was a positive. Okay, we're in the bottom three on goal difference uh, because we we saw um, Leicester win against Wolves, come from behind and win. So we know the situation, but we also know going into Thursday that Leicester play Leeds on Tuesday, so we, we know that it's it's still in our hands. You know, win the win the game on Thursday. And you're out the bottom three. So you've got to look at it like that as well. So we know it's in our hands. So we've, we've got to sign the honey. In, in my eyes, what was positive? What did we do well? What can we do better? There was a lot of things we can certainly work on. We need to be more creative, of course. You know, Mason Holgate should never see the uh, the light of day again, in, from, in my opinion, in terms of, play, especially playing Mike back, because we've seen it too many times in the past where, you know he's a liability on, on a yellow card, and that's that's the that's the concern. But it's not all doom and gloom for me, and that's because I saw things that I, that I liked as much as it was a boring game, and we didn't play very very, uh, very much at all. There was positives to take from the game, which the players have got to feed off. They've got to look at that and go, you know what? Yeah, strong side, Palace turned the corner, not in trouble, scoring goals, getting shots away. 
putting some some side, you know, they, they, they score five away at Leeds. I know Leeds aren't, aren't in great form, but they, they went away and scored five goals in the Premier League. You don't see it very often. So, like you say, Pete, treat them with, with the respect that they deserved on a different day. Mason Holgate doesn't get sent off. And Everton could have pushed, I think, for, for the winner. Um, but obviously now, all, all eyes on us as fans. You know, 36, 37,000 Evertonians on Thursday at Goodison Park. And we hope, we hope we can make we can make a bit of a difference to ourselves. And we're going to just discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Cincy podcast as we preview the visit of Newcastle United, who we, we've seen obviously today, turn over Tottenham six six goals to one at St James's Park. Um, they look absolutely nailed on for Champions League football. Um, you know they, they scored, well, they, they were five and a half after about 21, 22 minutes today. So they they were went about things very very quickly against the side who looked totally devoid of confidence in in Spurs. Given where Spurs are in the league, they just look miles off it, and you know. It, it, it's it's a surprise in terms of number of goals scored, but it's not a surprise that Spurs have been have been beaten because they're one of those funny sides, aren't they? Spurs they, they have, have runs in the season, but then they'll also lose games and lose games pretty well over the course of the season as well. Uh, but what do you see from that, Peter? After seeing Newcastle today, the goals they've scored, uh, the improvement that Eddie Howe has obviously made since he's since he's come in, especially this season. Do, do you take much from Newcastle beating beating Spurs by that many goals in terms of what it could uh, what it could mean for Thursday? I, I think you've got to be careful about reading too much into it, really. I, I mean, often when a team in the Premier League has a result like that, you know, they, they don't go on next week to also win, you know, five or six nil. Commonly, actually, what you see is, is is a tailing off. You know, and what happened with Liverpool is a great example of that. You know, bit. Beat Leeds away. What what was it? Five one, some, something like that. Five or six, and then you know at home to Forest, and you know they just about got got over the line. It's hard to sustain that that level of performance, and also in the Premier League when you have a scoreline like that, it tends to be an outlier. It tends to be that there's been you know 15, 20 minutes of madness. You know, look, you know, look at us against Brighton at home, for example. That's a perfect example of that. You, you have these games where players lose their head it's you know people become completely disorganized and they the ship you know sometimes three or four goals and you, you get this kind of statistical outlier and I, I think that's what you've got to look at Newcastle Tottenham as it's you know it's a unique game it's not representative I don't think it means a, a great deal for us really um and I know I, I know I get criticized for saying this so I've been criticized for saying it on the podcast before but I really believe it Think if if we have our full strength team available, we, we can beat anyone, and we've you know we've shown that against Arsenal. And Arsenal were unbeaten in how long when they came to, to to play us. We're in dire straits. You know, tough to be organised, big, strong, athletic midfield, playing to our strengths. We win the game, and I, I think we can do the same thing against Newcastle. I think you know, you know we need a few things to go our way. But I think first and foremost, it's it's probably more about the people that we've got available. I think it's. It's what Everton team can go out there. I think if if we've got a full strength Everton team, I think we can give them a really good competitive game. I think you're right in terms of pulling on the experience of recent games. Arsenal top of the table, flying, come to Goodison Park and and Everton play particularly well, deserve to win the game. Brentford are on the longest unbeaten run 
in the Premier League at the time. And they come to Goodison Park. Obviously, we scored an early goal, but really should have, you know, we, we should have added to that uh, over the course of the game. But we win the game and, and we come away with three points. And Newcastle are no different. We've got to concentrate on ourselves. And like you say, what are our strengths? If we get these players back, especially Onana and Decore, more, more than, more than I say more than Seamus, but I think Seamus Coleman is, is massively important to Everton Football Club at this moment in time. And it shouldn't be the case, by the way, because Seamus Coleman should not be getting relied upon. But he is, as the captain, you know, his experience, his attitude, how well he's played since Sean Dice is coming as well, also a factor. But if we get these three players back in, it's a different Everton side. Like you say, play to our strengths. That midfield three, going back to Onana, Garner and uh, and Decore, would be a massive plus. Playing with energy, putting the press on Newcastle, will play from the back of the, you know, they've got the players to do it, they'll, they'll try it. We've seen it ourselves against Arsenal, how good we were in, in nullifying that. We've just got to, got to have some kind of, of confidence approaching. And I think the confidence and the, the energy has got to come from us. You know, as Everton fans, you know, the, the plans are already in place. The 1878 have released a, a statement today to say the, they've been in conversation with the club. They were hoping for, for the players to arrive via coach. It's not happened. That that's the will be the manager's request. Obviously, Frank Lampard was very much a, a case of players come on the coach together. Sean Dice is happy and wants the players to arrive via car, which, listen, down to the manager, it's his preparation, it's his team. Um, so there are going to be arrangements put in place to welcome the players as they arrive in their cars. Now, again, really important that we respect the players' cars first of all. You know, uh, that that's the important thing. No, no clown on moves and, and surfing on the cars as they as they drive through. But it'll be we've got to do what we've got to do, basically. And we've been here before, unfortunately, recently. And we can we can make a real difference. We've seen it. We've seen how much of a difference we can make as a fan base. And it's up to us to 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 play our part yet again. And Thursday, hopefully thousands there early, around six o'clock when the players arrive. Obviously, flags make make the noise. Uh, we certainly don't condone the, the purchase of, of players and smoke bombs because not allowed. But um it's it can be, it could be a really big night at Goodison on Thursday. I truly believe that. It could be a little bit of a turning point. It, it could be a game that instills some much-needed belief in, in players and fans. And I think a, a, a massive factor in it, Pete, I don't know about you, is the is the return of a certain Anthony Gordon to Goodison Park. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, I'm, sli- I'm slightly loath to give this focus really because I, I I just think the game the occasion is bigger than Anthony Gordon and, and actually my prediction is I don't think Eddie Howe's going to risk him I don't think he's going to throw him in I don't think he'll start him um and if he's, if he's on the bench I, I'm not confident that he'll play him I think he I think Eddie Howe will probably try and protect Anthony Gordon a little bit um but you know from what we know about Anthony Gordon I think if he is on the pitch he's so hot-headed he'll definitely get a booking and it would not surprise me in the slightest if uh, if he ended up with more. Um, and I think Eddie, Ed, you know, Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe will know that better than anyone. I just I don't think he'll he'll risk him, especially given some of the focus he's had over the last few weeks, where I think he maybe has struggled a little bit with the level of his performance. 
you know, it was quite widely publicised, but um, his, his reaction when he got subbed the other week. I I think Eddie Howe probably try and um, do a bit of an arm around the shoulder. And I wouldn't be surprised that Andy Gordon's got a knock. Um, and, yeah, you saw the way that was my mouthpiece. I, I can very much see in, in the build-up to Thursday, um, Anthony Gordon will is not going to be in the squad. Uh, the could prove was all wrong, but the reception that he will get, obviously not likely to start regardless, but the reception that he will get just by warming up will not be pretty. And, you know, we, we were, at the time, you know, I, I didn't have any particular, I say, I say bad blood. I, I wasn't really overthinking it too much. I thought we got a good deal. I thought it was a lot of money for, for the player that, that he that he was or that he is currently. Um, so that certainly didn't bother me. What bothered me more was the fact that Everton didn't spend it or spend part of it. That, that's that's been the biggest the biggest factor. Um, but obviously, the fact that he went on strike to force away to force his move never sits sits particularly well with fans, understandably. And also that when the interview came out a few weeks after his move, saying how disappointed he was not to get a a better send off, and I say, what, what, what do you expect? You know, that, that for me was was totally puzzling, and that's what sits in fans' minds. That's the most recent interaction we've we've had from Anthony Gordon in terms of Everton, and it does not does not sit well with fans. The fact that you know you say certain things, and I said at the time, there's a way to leave a football club. You you can leave with dignity, you can leave with class. We could have all gone, got us forty five million quid there, Anthony. Appreciate that. Best best luck with, with your career. Instead, he forced a move by not coming to see him, which is unforgivable. It's not professional. And then he says what he says a few weeks later. So, you know, it's you, you've made your bed. But like you say, Pete, you know, it, it, you don't want to spend too much time discussing it because it shouldn't be a big factor in proceedings. But it will be. It will be if he's in the squad. And as we say, we, we'll keep a, an eagle eye on on the Premier League injury table over the course of the next, next few days. Eddie Howe's press conference, I'm sure, will be probably on Tuesday. Um, so worthwhile having a little listen, little listen to that. Um, but it will, it will add to what will be, and what promises to be a white hot atmosphere because it's got to be. It's up to us to to do what we need to do, and we've got to make it difficult. We've got to make it horrible. We say it time and again. The under the lights of Goodison Park is like no other place in the world, in my opinion. The atmosphere can can hit totally different. Like like you say, Mike, the, probably the the big one is the game on Tuesday. The Leicester Leeds game now. I don't know about you, but for for me, Leicester win that. I, I've watched uh, the last three of Leeds Leeds games, and they're, they're in free fall. Um, mm. They're in a, absolute free fall, and particularly defensively, they looked they looked terrible. And I I just think Leicester have got a lift now. They've got a new manager bounce. Quite like Dean Smith. I, I think he will keep them up, and I, I think really our job is to, to try and leapfrog Leeds now. And you look at the goal difference. If if Leeds get beat by Leicester on Tuesday, which I think they will, we can go into that Newcastle game with something to really, really play for. Um, yeah, the, the season doesn't end after Newcastle, but you can't underestimate the the psychological significance of pulling out of the relegation zone, Leeds going in, and then looking at the games ahead. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean that, that game on Tuesday. Is massive in in terms of the the relegation running. Obviously, we've got to go to Leicester ourselves a week on Monday, um, so that that's going to be a big a big game as well. Like you say, you, you would fancy 
given Leicester got that win against a decent Wolves side, who, who again have turned a bit of a corner and pulled themselves away from the from the bottom three and, and leads it. You know, the last last three games especially, they, they shipped a lot of goals, haven't they? And don't look particularly particularly great. The goalkeeper looks to be a bit of a liability at the moment as well. Um, so from from our perspective, that game it's one to keep an eye on. Um, I think Forest are playing Brighton as well in the week. So Brighton, obviously, in, in the FA Cup semi-final this weekend. Um, so that's another one. I think that's a Wednesday to keep a, to keep an eye on. So we we you know there's a lot of games we have to look at. But like I said, you know, what whatever happens at between Leicester and, and Leeds, and whatever happens with Nottingham Forest this in the midweek games, we win throughout the bottom three. That's how you've got to look at it. There's no other way to, to look at it than that. It's in our hands. So that's what the mind here, I'm sure, will be saying to the players. Stick to our game plan. Play a particular way. Listen, they've got match winners at Newcastle. We've seen it. You know, Isak is, is in good form, scoring goals. You know, Jolinton, the last sort of 12 months, looks a totally different player. Uh, Bruno, quality footballer. The likes of Danny Willock is a threat. Jacob Murphy is a threat. They've got pace, they've got power. Defensively, they look strong. Um, the biggest left back in, in world football in, in Dan Byrne. So let's let's be clever in terms of how we how we try and build attacks, of course, with the size that they've got. You know, the delivery of Trippier, don't be giving away city free kicks. Those kind of things, you know, they, they sound they sound simple, but they're the things Everton have got to get right. And they're a dangerous side, Newcastle. You've got to respect them. Obviously, in a tough four in the Premier League, knocking on the door of Champions League, which, barring a disaster, Newcastle should be qualifying for the Champions League. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people writing the game off and, uh, that, you know, after today, especially with, with Tottenham being turned over, as we've said already, Everton have beaten Arsenal, Everton have beaten a real informed Brentford side. Football's a funny, funny game. And as we, as we saw... At the Emirates on on Friday, Southampton were you know a few minutes away from beating top of the table Arsenal, and they're sitting they're sitting bottom. They led two nil and three one. That's football. Anything can happen, and if you don't believe as as a fan base, then you might as well just give up. Well, absolutely. Let's put the attention on the fan base for the right reasons. I think you know Ken White and the board have shown how not to do it. Maybe it's up to us again on Thursday to get the attention on the club again for, for all the right reasons. And now's the time, Peter. Now you know we, we did it so much last season. We can certainly do it again. Um, it's one game at a time. You know, let's let let's make let's make Goodison Park what it what it always used to be a hostile place to come and play football for the away side, and a place that we can all come together, back the players, get the place absolutely rocking. And, and certainly, you know, in adversity, let's not take a backward step. Let, let's believe that we can get out of the, the, the mess that the, that we find ourselves in. But what's your prediction, PC? Are you, are you going in there with a bit of confidence? Do you think that we can we can win the game? If, if, we've, if we've got our full-strength team, I'm going to say um, another Everton 1-0. But it's a little bit of a, an asterisk against that, though, piece, just in case we haven't got our full-strength team. <laughs> well, I'm 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 similar really. I think if we have those players back in, obviously Dom appears to have come through the Palace game unscathed. He said to the manager he, he was fine, he felt fine, which would be a big hurdle for him playing 
you know, a lot of minutes, you know, 70 and 90 in the space of sort of five days, which is which is fantastic for him physically. Um, so it's all about rest, recuperation for him. Uh, if we can get Amadou Anana back in there, the Corey back from suspension will be fresh. Um, Ramadan's over as well, which is a big factor for, for obviously our players who, who've, who've been saying, saving Ramadan. So great for them to to now be be back to to uh, eating as they as they normally would and preparing for a match in that way. Um, so yeah, get those players back in. Sheamus would be great as well, like I said. And I think if we've got those players, like you say, we I think we can we can certainly come away from the game with with three points. I don't see why we can't. As good as Newcastle are, listen, we we, we can certainly we can we can be like you say, beat any side. Any side can beat any side on any given day. If things go your way, we've got to believe it. The players have got to believe it. The manager's certainly got to believe it. And let's see what happens. But I, I, I'm going to say, here on, on the side of, uh, side of positivity, I'll say 2-1 Everton. Uh, Everton win. will be fantastic, you know. And, and I look forward to it. I look forward to getting down here. Nice and early Thursday. Hopefully see loads of people down here. Handy. Look out for the announcements. Further updates from the 1878s on, on Twitter. Um, retweet it. Let's get the, the message spread far and wide to so get, get us all down there. Uh, and then once you've welcomed the players, get to home bake and go and get a get a Trinity pie as well and a cup of coffee. Uh, that's that, that's my pre-match routine every every week now. So come come and join us all in the in the fan zone as well if you can. But that's all for this week. Uh, fingers crossed for some positivity on Thursday. Let's hope Everton can put in a, a good performance and and get get the win. We, we hope, we hope, we pray, we'll do our bit uh, and hopefully we'll see a lot of you down there at Goodison Park on Thursday. So we'll catch you after the Newcastle game, probably before Leicester. We might do a little bit of a preview of the Leicester game as well. Uh, let's see how it goes on Thursday first, so we will, we will catch you there. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.